Doesn't have to be right down the middle. Oh, yeah. He golfed that one into left center field, and Salvi has another one. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see the replay on this one. Oh, boy. That's his ninth on the season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown podcast with myself, Jacob Milham, and Jeremy Greco. If you're hearing the the sighs of sorrow or the grunts of disbelief or shock in the background, that has to be Jeremy watching Sunday's game against the Brewers right now. It is uh, it's the top of the eight, and there has been nothing but frustration so far in this game, right, Jeremy? Well, it started off okay, but then it was the, definitely it was the fourth inning. I think was a gut punch and a half and uh you know all i've got to look forward to now is that when you're writing for a bad team you get uh you get an opportunity to flex some of your joke muscles bad joke muscles at least uh puns uh silly references all kinds of good stuff like last week i got to write about the royals avoiding the oubliette uh which was a new word for a lot of people so that was a good time this week i'll probably make a joke about how this is a team only a mother could love since it's mother's day um, so that kind of stuff. Uh, Got to make something to look forward to, both for myself and for the poor fans who come to read yet another losing recap. No doubt, no doubt. And it's been uh, it's been kind of funny to watch Vinny's mom in the crowd during the, <laughs> the series because she's been in uh, in the stadium for the Brewers games, and like they pan immediately immediately to her after like he gets out or something, and she just looks so disappointed. So I feel like that's a good microcosm of like even even people close to the team are disappointed. Don't you worry. Yeah. And can I just say I oh. saw a, a YouTube or a, tw- a video on Twitter um, where where Vinny was interacting with his mom. It looked like he's on the on deck circle or something. She was taking some pictures with her phone and he goes up to her and he goes, yeah. mom, they're. They're, they, they got people, they got professionals to take the photo. You don't got to take the photos. She's like, <laughs> but I have a phone. <laughs> she loves her kid. Anyway. You know what? Mom, moms will be moms. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And hey, um, so spe- speaking of mothers, um, Jeremy and I are going to are going to get a little a little real for a second here. So if uh, if you don't want to hear non-baseball stuff go ahead and skip forward about two minutes and we'll get back to all things kansas city royals baseball um but jeremy i do just want to know from you in about a minute uh what is uh what does mother's day mean to you uh mother's day is, is always an interesting time for me um i love my mother dearly and uh my grandma had has moved in with my family and i lived i've lived with my parents until the last couple of years so always been around my mom even as an adult um, I missed Mother's Day last year for the first time ever. Uh, I am kind of fortunate mm-hmm. to be here this year, but the circumstances kind of suck because my grandma is actually in the hospital, not doing so great. So I, I wouldn't have been here, but uh, so it's kind of a bad news, good news situation, I guess, where I'm, I'm worried yeah. about my grandma, but I do at least get to spend Mother's Day with my mom this year. So that, that's been nice. Well, that that is good. I'm I'm sorry that that's the circumstance that's that are surrounding your Mother's Day, though. Um, so for my for my longtime listeners, you um, you'll know that my uh, my mother passed away last January. So this is my this is my second Mother's Day without my mom. Um, and it is it's a very strange very strange time it time of year whenever Mother's Day rolls around. It's only my second one without her, but um. So it's it's one of those things I 
I see the posts and I see, you know, some of the people being very, oh, what's the word, begrudgingly going out and doing things with with their mothers. And, you know, everyone has a different relationship with their mom. But I I've beg of you, I would trade every I would trade the Kansas City Royals now and their history and every all the good memories that have come along with them to have another Mother's Day with my mom. So there's 364 other days in the year. You can you can spoil your mom any day you choose, but especially on Mother's Day, try to try to make her a priority. Okay, Jeremy, I, I promise I'm not gonna <laughs> bring the podcast down too much, man. <laughs> oh goodness, sorry okay, about I can that. Just steer sorry us off about that. If I have to, let's uh, w- let's not Thelma and Louise this too much <laughs> um, because the. <laughs> The, the team is the team is doing that to themselves, man. It is uh, we're staring at a sweep on the on the road to the Milwaukee Brewers, which I know that the Brewers are they're currently leading the NL Central. So there there is that. But it's not like they're an overwhelmingly good team. Like they are definitely above average. But the, the Royals had plenty of opportunities to at least steal one from the Brewers. And they couldn't even accomplish that. Jeremy, if like I, I just want your thoughts on this on this series and how this is a sinking ship in your eyes. Um, you know, the series, I'm not I maybe I I'm just, you know, in the acceptance stage of the the stages of grief. This series doesn't bother me that much. They scored some runs yesterday, um, lost in a walk-off. They scored some runs early today. Uh, Jordan Lyles, I don't care how well Jordan Lyles pitches. doesn't bother me when he's bad. I Honestly, I kind of, uh, maybe this is bad to admit, I celebrate a little bit when he's bad because I was so against that signing. Um, and so, oh, Jordan Lyles gave up seven runs today. Hmm. Uh, uh, that sucks, I guess. Uh, but the, the rest of the offense had some yeah. moments. Salvi crushed another home run. That was fun. Uh, Nick Prado had a mm-hmm. good hit. Bobby Wood Jr. had a good hit. Um, MJ Melendez has gotten on base a couple of times. So, you know, there's, there's been some progress uh, as far as the hitters go, uh, which is what I wrote about last weekend is just, you know, in general, the offense has been better uh, since May started. And and so I'm uh, things have been so bad that that I'm willing to look for the silver linings again. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're very much at at that point. And you know, I we were kind of waving the white flag a little bit last last week at this time when when we were recording the episode. But I like I have that white flag hoisted up on my lawn right now. Like it is, <laughs> it is a uh, bad. <laughs> Things are really really bad right now, in my opinion. And I do I do want to talk to you a little bit more about Jordan Lyles because you had some interesting thoughts off air and a really good point that this guy this is not his last year in Kansas City he's signed for another year yep and in all outside of Zach Greinke who we all kind of expected to come back Lyles was the major free agent acquisition for Kansas City this year and and this is how he's doing he's lost he he has an 0-6 record like right now, I saw if I'm doing the math right, he is on pace for 27 losses this season, and, and he comes yeah, into today's game with a 6.2 ERA, and it's going to go up. Mm-hmm. That it is. It is not going to get 
any better after this. What it was, I think he lasted two and two thirds, and he gave up seven runs. Yeah, something like that. Like I'm, I, I think Nate Eaton could go out there on the mound and do a better job in that same amount of time. Well, why not uh, pull him from center field and get him on the mound? But in so you brought up, should the Royals, you know, bring in some minor league free agents or some more low investment pieces to try and get some starts. Like, do you, do you think that's the way that the Royals should approach this? I'm looking at, at Jordan Lyles. And I know, and Royals, I know I framed that really badly. <laughs> the Royals gave him $17 million this year and next to be a, a, a below replacement level pitcher. He, he has a negative war, both by fan graphs and baseball reference. So what that means is baseball reference and fan graphs look at him and they say, you could pull up a random guy from the minor leagues and he would probably be better. Just any random guy, not a top prospect, a random guy. Um, and and mm-hmm. then I think about, you know, there are so many minor league free agents out there, guys who are like, you know, 26 to 28. They're not top prospects. They've probably been given up on by a team or two. And, and you're not going to like ruin a prospect pedigree by bringing them up and, and giving them a couple of starts. And they could have they could have saved, uh you know, $17 million and, and just thrown a bunch of minor league free agents at the wall and seen if anyone sticks. And, you know, the odds are that if they grabbed 15 minor league starting pitchers, 26, 28, that are, that are you know, cut by other teams, none of them will work out. Those are the odds that none of them will work out. But let me tell you about a guy called Oof. Scott Barlow, who uh, was a minor league free yeah. agent, who was a little old, was not a top prospect. He worked out pretty good when the Royals tried him out. Um, and, and so it can happen. And and it it does if Jordan Lyles turned into Jacob Degrom tomorrow, it wouldn't matter because he's still only under contract from this year and next year. Oh man, yeah, that is wow! Holy cow! And I think that's what maybe that's what I was hoping for a little bit when we saw like Austin Cox and even Heasley come back, like I thought maybe this team was going to be a little bit more transactional mm-hmm. and try to leverage some of these arms that not a whole lot of people have belief in at the triple a level. And that's, that just hasn't been the case. They're still, they haven't found a solid replacement for Yarborough. They're still like Taylor Clark got the start the other day. Jordan Lyles isn't giving you anything. Um, and you know Zach Granke is is Zach Granke like he is what he is at this stage. I'm not gonna say he should get bumped out of the rotation, but he's not gonna be shut down either. It is. I I just don't know what you do with Lyles because if you can't get the Royals to eat Dozier's contract, they're not gonna eat Jordan's, right? Yeah, I I can't imagine it. They just have this this priority of and they've had this has been a problem. This was a problem under Dayton Moore, and it was something. Um, that I was hoping would get fixed under J.J. Piccolo. I said, you know, he's he says he's going to be more transactional. He saw that not being transactional got Dayton more fired. So hopefully we're going to see him, you know, make some some choices that are going to see us make to, to, to take some more chances, uh, not just go with, oh, well, he's a known quantity. Um, you know, the devil, you know, is a fine kind of way to live your life under some circumstances. But when the devil, mm-hmm. you know, is this bad and when he's yeah. he's he's negative war, 
it doesn't matter how many innings he's eating. Go, you, you can sign an infinite number of minor league free agents. There are so many guys out there that you can just give a start to. And if they're awful, they're awful. And then you cut them and you go to the next guy. And, and you're just, there's nothing to lose at this point. And there's everything to gain. And the Royals continue to throw money and starts to people like Jordan Lyles and Hunter Dozier, who uh, is starting at third base today, looks terrible, uh, struck out. Uh, because he called timeout or asked for timeout and the ump didn't give it to him and he wasn't ready. Um, that You got to be ready in that situation. You get one or two starts a week. Yeah. You're a veteran who's supposed to be, you know, providing a veteran presence, who's supposed to be providing leadership of some sort, and that's how you injure it bad? That's not acceptable. This, this, is, this is bad. They're just – they can't keep giving – these these players that have no business being on major league teams, they cannot keep them on the roster simply because they already paid the money. If that's the issue, cut these guys. You've already paid them the money. Just bring in minor league free agents to fill in gaps until you're ready for whatever next thing. The, they don't cost any more. They cost a couple hundred thousand dollars. You can afford that if you're the Royals, if that's you're it. any team. I, it's, I would hope so. It's it's infuriating to me to watch them continue to do this. I'm not asking them. I'm not saying, oh, Hunter Dozier's blocking some prospect. Oh, but maybe the prospect isn't ready. I don't care. Bring in some 28-year-old who's having a good year in independent ball and see if he's got something. And he might. He probably yeah, at, doesn't, at but point. it's a better hope than <laughs> sending Hunter Dozier out there again. That is true. That is true. Um, yeah, Jeremy, it is because we have so rarely seen a free agent work out for the Royals, like to in your mind outside of Zach Granke's return, when was the last free agent signing that really worked out for the Royals? Was it Vargas? Uh, Vargas was a good one. Edinson Volquez and Kendris Morales. I know they were bad the second years of their contracts, but they were so good that first yeah. year. Um, the only thing is they both got that paid more than they should have. True. They, they were overpaid to try and, uh, you know, try and get that championship. Oh, but, but all that they did get the championship, to say is, so it's hard to complain it too much. It, but that was, that was almost it, a decade exactly. ago. So that's right. And, but that's also the, the other point fans and we especially are ready to look past overpaying a player as long as they're winning. Okay. It is just these these Royals and as as I complain about the Royals Bobby Witt Jr. hits a home run and now it's six to nine in the top of the ninth <laughs> um the these Royals are infuri infuriatingly just stubborn I think and the previous you know Dayton Moore and that previous front office they were I think scared a little to try and get some of these big, not big money free agents, but free agents that they knew could come in and improve the product because they knew it would cost money. And they, you know, they didn't have a great history of finding guys that cost money and worked out after that initial, um, 2015, 2016 kind of batch of players went away. 
So I I know that was very convoluted, Jeremy. I I had train of thought and then it got derailed. I did that to myself and I learned that from you, Jeremy. So I I do blame you. I, I hope you know. Glad that. that that you're learning. It's good to learn. Thank you, thank you. All right, coming up on the other side of this break, we'll be talking a little bit about Salvador Perez, Zach Granke, and the rest of the Royals. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. So, Jeremy, there have been a couple of really good surprises this month. Um, you've, you've talked about how the offense has been fairly hot. You know, even in today's loss, they put up six runs on eight hits. But those two errors are the thing that caused them Ooh. to lose. But all, all that to say, one of the bright spots has been Michael Garcia coming up. I know a lot of fans were clamoring for him earlier on this season to come up. Um, he had a really strong spring training. And I'm not saying he has been a an amazing batter, but he has been good. His defense has been good for the most part. Um, what are your thoughts so far on Michael Garcia at the major league level? So um, he, his numbers have come down a little bit since we last talked. Uh, his WRC plus for the season after today is going to be 47, according to fan graphs, which is not ideal. Um, but he is providing some excellent defense all over the infield. Um, he's got he's very fast, got some good base running skills. And I go down and I look at some of his stats. He's actually walking at a 7% clip, which is not terrible. Striking out about 19% of the time. Again, not terrible. Um, he's not hitting a ton of ground balls. The thing that stands out to me is his uh his he's doesn't have any he's not hitting any extra base hits right now, um, uh, which is really dragging him down. But I think he that he's got that extra base hit ability yeah. in there. And especially when I look at the uh, the the distribution of soft, medium, and hard hit balls on fan graphs, man, he has hit the ball hard almost half the time he's making contact, and he's hitting it in the air. Um, 25% line drives, 40% fly balls, um, just, just really crushing it and not on the ground. That is what you like to see from a guy, and... Uh, I think he he could certainly be someone that we could expect to see turn around and start getting some more hits real soon. Yeah, hope, hopefully so, because he came on very strong. And then, like you said, he has kind of tapered off. I will say he has tapered off a little bit as he has moved up in the lineup. So as you know, at fourth, he is hitless so far. Um, at fifth, he doesn't have a great batting average. But once you get down to sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, things get a lot better for Michael Garcia. So I am I am all in the camp of you know keeping him in that eight hole, that nine hole, not because he's a bad hitter, but be, because he is kind of a setup man for the top of the order. Yeah. And that is a I feel like that's very much a, a Mike Matheny mentality that has just been kind of ingrained into me but i i never thought that was a bad idea if you had one of those speedy contact guys sure but jeremy the thing that i've the thing that i've liked so far from him is his defensive versatility because yeah. he has lined up all over the left side of of the infield and to not terrible results but i am surprised that his the most of his appearances so far have been at third base um and I do have to ask, we talked about Dozier earlier on. Do you think that Garcia 
making a case to stay in Kansas City could put a little bit more pressure on the front office to get rid of Dozier? I think it's interesting that uh, Matt Quattrero is just not playing Dozier that often. Um, he's getting one or two starts a week, whereas under Matheny, he was getting four, four to six starts a week, um, you know, sometimes starting every game in a week. And I don't know how much of that, how much of the lineup decision making comes from the manager and how much comes from the, the general manager slash the front office. But there's definitely, well, there hasn't been a switch in guys being under contract or free agents signed or trades being made necessarily. It does feel like there's been a move um, as far as the way lineups get built, uh, where somebody like Hunter Dozier, you know, maybe you're on this roster because you're getting paid, but that doesn't mean you're in the lineup. Um, and and I think the Royals have kind of, I think you might be onto something because I think one of the reasons these Royals are keeping Hunter Dozier is because they don't have an answer at third base. Um, and so they're like, well, somebody's got to play there. He's not very good, but, you know, at least he can supposedly stand there with a glove. Uh, it says on his major league, you know, sheet that he plays third base. Uh, but uh, Michael Garcia has been very good over there at third base. There's not really a lot of room for him to play elsewhere. Uh, Michael Massey has been very good at second base. And Bobby Witt Jr. is obviously going to get every chance to succeed at shortstop. Um, though I would argue he's also probably hitting a little high in the lineup uh, yeah. as the leadoff hitter. But yeah, Michael Michael Garcia is is an example of yeah he's not a he's not really a top prospect kind of guy he's not in the top one hundred anywhere I think he's the Royals number one prospect but that's not saying much um, so you know might as well let him play see what he can do Hunter Dozier is clearly not going to be a part of the next competitive team he's not going to be a valuable trade piece so this is what the Royals should be doing is moving on from guys like Hunter Dozier and playing a Michael Garcia and if he doesn't work out. Go get the next guy and try him and see what happens. Just just keep throwing pasta at the wall until something sticks because otherwise you're just left with just moldy garbage that you keep putting in the lineup for some reason. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for, for that image. And I, I will say this about Michael Garcia. MLB.com doesn't have him as the Royals' third best prospect. And yes, you are, you are right. The Royals' farm system is not considerably strong, but he is a, a top five consensus prospect in the Royals system. Um, so there is some worth in that. And I think if the, you know, it, if worse comes to worse, if he starts struggling or it is clear that he's overwhelmed at the major league level, which I don't think we've seen quite yet. He, the worst thing is he can go back to Omaha. He can go back to being the everyday shortstop, which is his natural position, by the way. And just, work out the things there go go back work on work on his hitting work on his defense whatever it is because i will say this about nick prado he made it clear that when he was in omaha he was working on things at the plate mm -hmm. he was trying things out i think the word was he was using it as his laboratory if you will so because i i remember i was very kind of skeptical when they brought him up because i understood that the the advanced metrics were looking good for Prado, but at the end of the day, the batting average was sub 200. Just the, the results weren't getting there. But when you see how he's doing right now, red hot at the plate. And I think he's had 17 games now since he's been recalled and seven of them have been multi-hit games. Like yeah. he is doing great so far. So there is something to say about, 
being able to send some of these young batters that have the talent to be major league players. I emphasize that have the talent because that's not something you can learn. Um, that is something that is just innate and you just have it or you don't sad, but true. I certainly don't. Jeremy, do you have the talent to be a major league player? Uh, you know, I, I used to believe that I did, but uh, I think at, <laughs> at age 37, I have to, I'm going to have to give up that dream now. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm really sorry to to burst your bubble, man, on that. I Before we get out of here on Michael Garcia, I will let you know this. I was very surprised to see his runner and scoring position numbers because he is great. 308 batting average. Uh, let's see, uh, a 158 OPS plus. And if you went and you took his, so since he has come up, just his hitting with runners in scoring position, he would have 284 RBIs over 162 season. Like the man is clutch for some reason, Jeremy. I I don't know what it is, but he uh, when the Royals need him to deliver, he delivers. Absolutely, and that that's something. It's worth something on, especially in a roster where that's not been a given this year. It's it it's something. I know it's not. I know it's not much, but. I am a Michael Garcia believer. Um, I I am with you on, I've noticed he hasn't been hitting for a lot of power, um, not a lot of extra base hits. I did I did get a little excited. He had a hit to, or he had a batted ball, excuse me, today that went to the warning track. It was a line drive. I really thought it was going to get over the fence, but unfortunately it did not. Um, he It took him a while to develop that power going from double A AA to triple A. So I am hopeful that that power or on a curve, his power will come along um, at the major league level. Does that make sense, Jeremy? Yeah. And I think that's a reasonable hope. Um, you know, there's, there's always an adjustment period when you're moving up a level and, and he's hit, like I said, he's hitting the ball hard. He's not hitting it on the ground. There's every reason to believe that he's going to find some of that power, um, sooner rather than later uh so you know it's be a little bit patient on him like you said 17 i think 18 games after today just a very tiny sample size uh let's give him a few a few more games see if he can he can put some stuff together i am uh i'm very much looking forward to that um so going from michael garcia to the older leg of the Kansas City Royals team and I'm, I'm talking about Zach Granke and, and Sal, Salvador Perez which kudos to Salvi he's kind of been the story of the past few games Gosh, for guy. the Royals he has I know right he he has hit been hitting homers with blurry vision he's been getting absolutely beat up behind the plate but he is still going but you still so okay I'm going to preface this whole this whole segment with this Jeremy so I do get called out from time to time on like, well, I've never I've never heard a Royals fan say that or da 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 da. Jeremy, you and I both aren't in Kansas City. Okay. True. We don't know what the man on the we don't know what the man on the street or the man in Coffin Stadium is saying about these Royals. Where we get our you know, this is what fans are saying about the Royals is from social media, which take that with a grain of salt. Usually you only see the worst or the best on social media of the world. But 
I still go on social media and I see claimed fans of this team, this team who is on pace right now for a 46 and 116 record saying, hey, trade away everyone, trade away Barlow, Chapman, Keller, and then they roll around to Salvi and Granke. And I feel like people need to be reminded, both of those players do have a no-trade protection of some sort. Okay, Zach, he has a no-trade provision in his contract. And then Salvi has 10 and 5 rights. Okay, so that means he would have to waive those 10 and 5 rights to be traded. The Royals can't just move either one of them without their permission. But, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you this question. If both of those players went to the Royals and say, hey, I want to be traded for fair market value, get me out of this and get me to a contender, which one do you think the Royals are more likely to move, Granky or Salvi? This is going to sound like a cop-out, but neither. Uh, oh, Grinke, my God. That Granky has Go not ahead. been Sorry. good this year. No, nobody has, should have any reason to trade for him. You can wait for him to get cut, and then you can True. pick him up, uh, you know, off the waiver wire for free. Uh, and then as far as Salvador Perez goes, yes, he is hitting the tar out of the ball. He's got uh, he's He's got eight home runs, nine after today's game. He's got a great. Uh, all of his batting stats are great. His strikeouts are way down. His ground balls are way down. Um, he's just hitting like there ain't no tomorrow. And he's only been getting better since he hit 30. I don't understand it. It does not make sense. Yep. But it nobody's trading for a 33-year-old catcher who has two more years left on his contract, annual average value of $20 million. No one's doing it. No one wants that. No one is. Everyone out there is going to go, yeah, but he's not going to be good next year. And so the Royals would have to eat that money. Mm. There's no reason for the Royals to eat Salvador Perez's contract. They might as well keep him. He's the captain of the team. They just named him the captain this year. They're not going to trade the captain in the middle of the season. You, you don't no. do that. You just you don't do that. That's, nope. that's the thing you don't do. And if Zach Granke wanted to get traded, he wouldn't have had them put a no trade clause into his contract. He wants to pitch here, and I, I think he wants to be done after this year. I, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. I'm not chasing I, I any think more so. rings. I don't think anybody would want him on a competitive team. I, where would you put him? He obviously sees himself as a starter, and I don't think he's going to improve a playoff-bound team's rotation very much. Maybe Milwaukee's. Uh, Colin Ray is not great. But, um, you know, they could – it's just – I don't – it's not going to happen. Neither of these guys are getting traded even if they waive their their no-trade protections. It's it's something that whenever I see both of those names come up, like I can't even imagine that happening for all, all the reasons that you just listed. Granky he made it known last year that he wanted to end his career here which is why you know I'm of the camp that I thought he was going to be done after last season. He came back this year. I'm sure his opinions of ending his career have not changed one bit. And, you know, Salvi is he, – he is Kansas City. Like, he has grown up here. He has grown up in front of the Royals fan base. He is the captain for crying out loud. I think if both of those players went to team leadership and said that they wanted out, I think the team would tell them no, <laughs> you know, and just and just tell them, hey, you're you're a veteran. 
act like one and go out there and try to teach these young guys something. I'm not sure. That, that might be a little bit of a harsh way to say it, Jeremy. I'm not sure I agree with with that. I, I'm not I'm not convinced the team would say no. I think the team would say no one's trading for your, your contract. <laughs> You're stuck. Okay. <laughs> we, yeah. we can't get anything for you. Fair enough. We could cut you, but we don't want to do that. Uh, so I, 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 it's, it's still a no, but a no in a different way. And even if they weren't, if okay. it was, you know, the Royals aren't willing to trade them, they, they, there's no reason to tell the player that. So you give them all the other reasons that it won't work. That's true. That is very, very true. All right. Well, en- enough of that. Let's get out of our little uh, fantasy land of where both of those players are tradable. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else and they is have. They have exactly stand. one tradable piece team. right now. And I can't wait till he's gone. Rolled as Chapman. I know. I know. I know. I don't know. I think Scott Barlow's pretty tradable. He's bounced back. Yeah, he's, he's bounced start, back a little bit. And he's got a history of being pretty good. His value is, is diminished compared to what it was last year. But yeah, you, you probably mm-hmm. get something for it. Well, I mean, it exactly. So that was, and they, they did the same dang thing with Whit Merrifield. Okay, Witt had a peak of his trade value, and then the Royals proceeded to trade him for pennies on the dollar three years later. The Royals are going to do the same thing with Scott Barlow. You know, he doesn't have a long-term contract. He He's on arbitration right now, and his peak was a couple of years ago. But the Royals wanted to hold on to him for whatever reason. I know he was a good reliever, but the team wasn't going anywhere. Just trade the guy and move on. Be more transactional, right, Jeremy? In fairness to 2021, I think that team won 77 games. It did look like the future might be turning up if they could find some hitters. Unfortunately, you know, Brad Keller stopped being good um, and and a bunch of other stuff kind of happened. And everyone was waiting for those 2018 pitchers to just really kick into gear. And of course, that never happened. So I could see not trading him during 2021 or after 2021 because he's still under contract for a couple more years now, I think through 2025. Um, so I, I could see where you'd be like, well, let's hang on to him and see what happens. But certainly last year he was diminished. His ERA was better, but he he was striking out so many fewer guys, giving up twice as many home runs. Um, so that, that was definitely the time to be like, yeah, this, this train is going to derail itself at some point and the team is going backwards. Uh, so it's, it's time to move on and, and they didn't. So here we are. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I, I probably wasn't completely fair to, to Barlow on that because I keep on thinking his peak was back in 2020. His peak was really in 2021. Yeah. Um, so that was, but I think there was there was a lot of calls for him to get traded at the 2022 trade deadline. If I'm absolutely if I'm not mistaken, yeah, um, and that that it absolutely so should that, have happened. Then there was no excuse to not trade him at the 2022 deadline, or at least during this past off season. Yeah, but you know now his his value. I wouldn't say can't get much lower, but it it really can. But oh, it can, it can value get a lot now, lower yet, but it, oh yeah, it's oh yeah, it, it, it is can. still greatly <laughs> diminished from what it was last year. For sure, for sure. But I will say, Barlow has actually been doing pretty good 
ever since the um, the Ranger series where he had that blown save. He has been um, pretty shut down, if you will. I've been very, very, very impressed with him. Um, Jeremy, here's a ran- random tangent. So I was I, I can't remember who I was watching. I was watching like the MLB TV free game of the day. I just wanted some background noise and I was watching it and they had a guy up in the bullpen for a save opportunity who had never had a save opportunity before, but this was a guy who had been with the team for like three or four years. And it got me thinking about outside of the Kansas city Royals. Do you think that the traditional closer role has kind of gone away? Like, is it, are more teams adopting a closer by committee approach? Do you think, or am I, am I just off my rocker? I'm going to guess that that is that there are some teams that have moved away from it, but not that many. I w- wouldn't be surprised to find out the Rays okay. moved off of it. Um, generally speaking, I think the teams that are, that have moved off of a closer and do a closer by committee are teams that are, are struggling to find someone to consistently close those games or they have so many close games that, hey, my closer can't go five nights in a row. We're going to have somebody else pitch. Um, <laughs> True. So I, I would be very surprised to find that. I'm I'm trying to figure out how I can look that up well, so, right now. Well, so while while you're looking that up, I'll I'll say this. So maybe it's because, frankly, there have been quite a few games this year that have not come down to the closer for Kansas City, which who right now would be Scott Barlow. Yeah. And I know that Quatrero is trying to leverage matchups and everyone's kind of been very transparent about that aspect of the team. But still, all I can think about is Saturday night's game against the Brewers where they had Carlos Hernandez come out in a in a tie ball game in the ninth after a role to Chapman. Like in my mind, that should be Scott Barlow's role and Scott Barlow alone. The and the yet rule goes the that did not when you're turn on the him. road, you save your closer for the win. Um, I don't know that it's a good rule, but I'm sure that was the rule Quatero was following. Okay, that makes sense. And I that just does. truth truthfully, I didn't know that. I just looked it up. Yeah, see, when you're in the home and it's tied in the ninth, you go ahead and use your closer because you want to have keep make sure you still have that tie going into the bottom of the ninth. On the road, if you take the lead, you still got to pitch an inning. Um, so you'll generally save your closer for that. And people argue against it. I actually think it makes a kind of sense. They're like, well, why wouldn't you use your best pitcher? Guarantee he gets in the game and helps you. And I'm like, because you've guaranteed he gets in the game and helps you, but you haven't guaranteed a win. Um, and, and you've guaranteed that you've mm. used him, which means you can't use him another night. Um, so you want to make sure that you, to me, it makes sense to want to save your closer for the games where you really, really need him as opposed to just every time, it's close. Um, so that logic makes a kind of sense okay. to me. I, I know a lot of other people don't believe, don't buy into it. They think the closer should be pitching all the time. They think there shouldn't be closers. I, I think there's, I also think there's something <laughs> that guys having roles to know, okay, I'm more likely to come in in such and such situation or less likely to come in in such and such situation. So they can kind of mentally prepare, but I, I could, I'm, I haven't been in the bullpen. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. 
<laughs> it's uh I so either way, th- thank you for that, Jeremy. I genuinely I didn't know that was a rule of thumb. Um, the logic does kind of make sense, but I can see where some holes can be poked into that argument. I either way though, all I see is last two weeks, Scott Barlow's only been in four games. Yeah, I I know you have to, I I know you have to save your closer for when you need him the most, but he still has to close out games sometimes. Yep. As a as a closer, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm. I don't know. I I I I might need a little bit more research on that. I might need a little bit more education on on there's my been, part to see if that's just. Go ahead. There's there's always these weird things, right? Because there'll be closers that come in in non safe situations, and they'll give up a bunch of runs, um, and then everyone and then you know they may go on a a, a bad streak, and everyone will be like, "Oh, you ruined him by pitching him in a non safe situation." It's like, yeah, but he hadn't pitched in a week. I gotta pitch him eventually, or else he's not gonna be able to pitch when I do need him. Um, it's always That's like true. maybe it, it could be they just waited too long. And they, there's just all kinds of of there's not a lot of hard data, at least not available to fans. And there's been so many uh, rumors and innuendos and kind of unwritten rules that have gone around baseball for so long that that pe- I think people just kind of stick to those. Um, uh, baseball. Mm. I think sports management, sports coaching can be a very conservative, not in terms of politics, but in terms of like just outlook uh, kind of profession where it's like people try to avoid making bad decisions more than they try to seek good decisions. Um, Ah. This is is something I think you can see uh, if you're a fan of the team across the parking lot. You see with Andy (laughs) Reid where he'll, he'll play to you know to not give up the football late in the game when he's got the lead and everyone's like well go get another touchdown that will that will ice the game and he's like well or i could just keep running the ball up the middle and yeah i I give them the ball but they don't have any time left so i i think that's better i didn't make a mistake um and and so you can see that i think you see that with a lot of managers too especially like because i said there's not a lot of data at least that we have and i suspect there's not a lot of data as far as usage rates and such goes that I expect there's a ton of noise in there because relievers mm-hmm. by their very nature are, are small sample size guys. Um, so it, there, there's probably so much statistical noise. It's hard to know to seek, okay, what, how do I find the best decision? And so they just try to avoid the worst decision. <laughs> that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Jeremy last, last point on this. I promise um, to kind of put my own viewpoint in the in the rearview mirror, Barlow's had 14 appearances so far. 13 of them have been in the ninth inning. Only one in the eighth. So that is, um, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll eat my crow. I will. I'll eat my crow. He is. Uh, I think a lot of people will agree that even if there was a a closer by committee in Kansas City, he would be like the head of such yeah. committee because they haven't really given a role to Chapman a whole lot of save opportunities. I am a little surprised by that, but they probably don't want to diminish his trade value with some blown saves or something like that. <laughs> I think he has a, a cut like one, but guys, the guy has been doing really, really good. Don't like him as a person, but on the, on the diamond, he has been very, very good so far. Well, Jeremy, before we have to start, go ahead. Go ahead. As far as uh, closers by committee around the league, uh, there are 33 pitchers in the entire sport with three or more saves. 
Um, and, and then there's there's about it looks like 50 or so more that have one or two saves. Um, so I would guess those are guys just like, oh, this, the closer needs a night off or, uh, you know, the closer got hurt. So I'll step in for a game or two. So I, I think most teams are still going with uh, with primary closers. OK, well, there you go. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that, Jeremy. Where would you find that out? I got um, I, I looked at I just looked up on fan graphs. I looked at the relievers and I sorted by saves. Oh, gotcha. Okay, makes sense. See that? That's too easy, man. That's too easy. I got, I got to make it hard on myself. Okay. Well, Jeremy, why don't we go ahead and get on out of here? Um, what what do you got cooking over at Royals Review? Uh, that's a good question. Since uh, I usually write on Saturdays, I I haven't even begun to think about uh, what my article this week is going to be. But I did write last week a little bit about how the offense has been better. Um, some of the show got some videos to show kind of the stance changes that MJ Melendez has made and what I believe, uh, has, has resulted from that. And, uh, yeah, is, is, there's, there's been some good stuff in the offense, even this weekend. Okay. Outstanding. I, whatever it is, I, I can't wait to, to see it. Um, I read your last article and it was, it was really, really well put together. Thanks, man. Um, well, where can folks find you on social media at then? Uh, they can find me at Hakaius, H-O-K-I-U-S on Twitter. I uh, I finally finished Persona 5 uh, Royal for those who, nice. who follow me and pay attention to, to my currently playing tag. Um, but I'm, I haven't yet decided what the next game is that I'm going to play. So I got to get around to that too. So many decisions, man. There's There's a lot of ways you can go from Persona 5. Oh yeah, so many places. Oh man, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm exasperated by this by this Royals team, man. I've been scrolling through so some some of these stat pages, and things are looking so bad from some of these players. Golly. Well, hey, if you want to hear more on the Kansas City Royals, please tune in to our pod, our next podcast, which will be dropping Thursday morning. But you can also go read any Royals analysis you want every day on RoyalsReview.com. Got news, analysis, even some really, really bad puns and dad jokes galore. It's uh, it's an interesting time to see that little second line below the headline. Got to make things a little fun. Um, but everyone out there, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go Royals!